Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Well, welcome back, Queens. We have somebody that actually I have followed on Twitter for quite a while, and I'm excited that she's coming on today from Rentless Athletics, also known as Emily Papas. Am I saying that correct? Papas, but that's why I always ask. (laughs) (laughs) Emily has a strong background in physiological sciences, holding a bachelor's in biology with a concentration in biochemistry and a master's in exercise physiology. So she's a smart cookie. She's an adjunct instructor at Temple University and founder of Rentless Athletics. Rentless is a company driven by science that focuses on the development of female athletes through strength training, sports nutrition, and sports injury rehab. So you know we had to have her on the show. Welcome, Emily. (laughs) thank you so much i'm so excited to be here yeah likewise so let me all right well let's just kind of jump in what made you decide to specialize in the female athlete kind of like myself well so i've always grown up knowing that i wanted to start my own company in some manner and i've always been taught that in order to really have a successful company and career you have to find the need and fill that need Mm -hmm. and all through my development, I never really was exposed to strength training. Um, and when I finally really engaged in weightlifting, really understood the science behind it, I was like, oh my goodness, there is such a need for not only improved performance for female athletes, but more importantly, the reduction of injuries that are so high, especially in the adolescent population. I feel like I have the key here. So here's a need <laughs> and I know how to fill it. Um, so that's kind of was my, the real passion behind why I wanted to open up Relentless. Oh yeah, definitely. You're speaking my language because having been an ACLer, um, I can mm-hmm. relate. Now I see all these things that they do for preventative measures and in hindsight, knowing some of the risks that I had that um, made me have that ACL tear. I'm like, I wish I would have had that in my days, just, just a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I know I followed you and you, you really speak to are the hormone and the development perspective that puts somebody at risk or how to prevent ACLs. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I guess to kind of get started in that, one of the biggest questions that we hear is, are hormones related to these ACL injuries? And is this what is predisposing female athletes to injuries? And, you know, in the past, we've looked at research and these research would tell us, yes, during this certain time of the cycle, we see more injuries occurring. And when we take our tissues out of the human body and we expose it to Hormones like estrogen or relaxin, we see that there's a lack, a greater laxity in these ligaments, and this must be it. Um, and it really makes sense why we previously thought that. However, it's really important now as we delve greater into that topic 
and really understand one, we actually have not really portrayed female athletes in science the way that they should be. And even when you take actually look into some of these studies that are still being cited today as, yes, um, we, we took a, a cohort of 26 athletes that tore their ACLs and we figured, found out that they all tore their ACL during this part of their cycle. I mean, there's so many <laughs> questions to that. So when you look into it and you say, okay, but half of them were on oral contraceptives, but we still considered them. Okay, mm-hmm. so that right there changes the actual results of the study. And then even more, we also see that most of these studies are relying on an athlete to <coughs> presume what phase of the cycle she is in, as if we all have textbook 28-day <laughs> cycle. Right. And that's, that's another thing as you really delve into the research and just even the science of hormones. That's something that I'm not even well enough versed on compared to some of these people out there of Victoria Felker. She's a great, great person to to learn from in that your period can change (laughs) from cycle (laughs) to cycle. So how your hormones are um, cycling in one cycle can be very different from the next cycle. So to put on a big blanket statement, like, yes, these hormones are what is called being a laxity. um, It's, so it's so far-fetched because how can you say that if you don't even know what her exact concentration of her hormone was at that time and then even more let's let's not forget hormones interact with one another so a lot of times in these studies that are showing yeah estrogen we see all the receptors on the acl and that's what's increasing the laxity well we actually see that in um the presence of other hormones that will also be circulating during that time we don't see that laxity so it's really important to look at the bigger picture. And I always just like to always throw out the concept of if females were so fragile during one part of our menstrual cycle, how have we not evolved to adapt to that? Because we're clearly a sustainable species. So if we were so (laughs) fragile that we would get injured, how did we continue to exist for all of this time? And that really makes you stop and question, maybe we actually aren't so fragile during that cycle. And actually, maybe we are still so far behind in the research when it comes to understanding the menstrual cycle that claiming that certain hormones are without a doubt the cause of these injuries is so far-fetched. And it's a conversation that we need to stop having. And correct me if I'm wrong, but ACLs don't just all of a sudden snap. There's usually <laughs> probably some like underlying inflammation or structural issues, which is probably where you come in with the strength training that mm-hmm. leads to that um, injury. So, yeah. And I think I can't remember what podcast it was that said that actually they're starting to look at the average woman's cycle is almost more like 40 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that the majority, especially of young female athletes have have menstrual cycle irregularities, most predominantly related to some type of energy availability. So when you actually then look at those studies and look at such such athletes that are experiencing menstrual irregularities, some actually show that there's a greater relationship between those irregularities and these soft tissue injuries than the actual athletes that have very healthy cycles. Um, Uh, Imagine that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're speaking my language, red S. That's my that's my favorite <laughs> thing to talk about. So talk to us how with the strength training, how one can be more preventative and then maybe just develop curiosity around their hormones and if it does impact them or not. 
Definitely. So like you said, these non-contact ACL injuries aren't just like, yep, she hit that one movement and it broke. (laughs) They're overuse injuries. And at the end of the day, what is an injury? It just means that either chronically or acutely, we have exposed that tissue to too much force or load than it had the capacity to handle. It had to go somewhere. The energy had to go somewhere. It's physics. So it ended up in a break. So when we look at, okay, an overuse injury means over time, we're chronically exposing our, our tissues to more force than they're able to handle or recover from. We then have to improve our body's capacity to handle these forces. And first and foremost, it comes down to that physiological level. Stronger muscles, tendons, and ligaments have a higher breaking point, meaning they can handle more force before they break. Second to that is more neurological in that, okay, just having that strength and then also learning how to move our bodies in coordination so that more muscle fibers within a, fi- within a muscle or more muscles in general are working together to absorb these forces. And that in itself, you, you will see some arguments on what's the way best way to go about that. But more often than not, you find that neurological training modalities should be a type of um, explicit learning pathway. And that if you just tell an athlete, hey, every time you jump, make sure those knees are driving (laughs) out and you do it every time. Of course. That's actually, of course, because of course it's a terrible, no. But (laughs) but if if you look at when an athlete's under fatigue, are they moving with great biomechanical efficiency? Heck no. no. I don't care. The best athletes in the world don't. So instead, it's improving the strength of the body and the coordination of it so that it's the, your body will find the best movement patterns to complete the task, the most efficient movement patterns. But at the same time, we shouldn't fear certain movements because, oh my goodness, that's the cause of it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's an overuse injury. So strength training is necessary because strength training is the only only tool that can improve our body's capacity to handle these forces. And it's really important that athletes understand that it's not just like randomly doing things, but it, it, the human body is so fascinating, right? We can adapt to any type of stressor that's exposed on our body in a progressive manner. Um, and we have to understand that when trying to improve a body's capacity to handle forces, we must prescribe strength training in a manner that progressively overloads and then allows for bouts of recovery because there is no adaptation without recovery. So that's where strength training is so essential um, for any type of female athlete, regardless if she quote unquote may have a predisposed risk to getting some type of injury or not. Right. And that's where the recovery nutrition comes in because I think Boston is starting to take a look at red relative energy deficiency Mm -hmm. and ACL, which we now understand Mm -hmm. when you get that energy imbalance the brain has a slower lag time between that muscle to protect. And so maybe mm-hmm. they're making movements that aren't as protected or aren't, as, you know, not as strong. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then so even variables. more. Exactly. And then taking that conversation again, right back to an overuse injury is we've exposed our body to more load than it has the capacity to handle. Meaning over time, your body was not able to recover from the previous stressors. And instead you're just laying adding to it and therefore you're going to get to that breaking point but if an athlete is recovering there's less of a chance of her getting to that breaking point regardless of what her movement pattern looks like so 
it really is a big picture thing in that, okay, are we training her to improve her body capacity? Is she recovering from this type of training? Because again, there is no adaptation without recovery. And if you are constantly running on the field, but these young girls that are growing bodies that already require more energy are also not eating enough food or the appropriate macronutrient ratio to meet these needs of activity and recovery, yeah, your body's going to adapt and you're going to see a decrease in tissue turnover, recovery time, as well as um, a decrease in any type of um, movement pattern that's going to occur at that neurological level. How do you think we'll ever get the United States to buy into overtraining and overuse? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Do you think we'll ever get the United States culture to buy into overtraining and overuse? I don't know. That's such a great question, <laughs> isn't it, though? Um, I, I actually like to counter that conversation. It says it really just comes down to under-recovering, right? Because, mm, yep. again, we're humans. We are able to adapt to anything if we are if we are provided enough recovery to adapt to to whatever training modality that we're exposing it. So, yeah, some of the best athletes in the world, maybe training hours and hours and hours and hours and hours a week, but they also are improving because they're matching that hard work with the appropriate recovery. Um, I, I forget. I just watched some, one of the NBA players, uh, I think it was Jimmy Butler. He's like, yeah, our, our team practice starts at seven. So I've got here at three. And I was like, so you didn't sleep? <laughs> like, like, what are, what are we I don't know. That'd be like, bragging. Oh, <laughs> exactly. But it is, it's, it's that culture of, you know, don't sleep, work hard, head down. But I like to say, work hard, but also work smart. Right. Did you hear that, guys? She said, I think she's talking about rest. Rest days. <laughs> off days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> necessary. Fully necessary. I've learned with my athletes, like, let's let's take out rest, even though it's not a bad word, and let's call it remodel day. Like, your body's remodeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> They'll buy into like that, that, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so we want to hear more about Rentless Athletics and what you guys are up to and how they can learn more about what awesomeness you're doing. Definitely. So um, Relentless, we are based in the suburbs of Pennsylvania, and our on-site facility operates as a semi-private training model where all of our girls receive their own individualized program. We really use weightlifting as our form of strength and neuromuscular training. Um, and it really helps the girls buy into strength training because the focus isn't on how much weight it's how do I learn this skill? Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to have best carryover to the field and we're getting them strong. Um, so we also do nutrition coaching and that's going to be in the terms of on-site as well as online where we have a couple products. We have me and our nutrition director, both of us have our master's and we both wrote books on just the basic principles of sport nutrition. And we really wrote that for more parents and coaches to understand. And then we also wrote nutrition templates and that really helps our females understand how to look at food as certain macronutrients and how to meet the amount of macronutrients that we need per day, depending on your level or, or your level of training or the intensity of that training. Um, and then finally, we really love our ability to provide education to other coaches, trainers out there. So we, I think by tomorrow, we have our mini course up on reducing the, um, it's a free mini course on reducing injuries in female athletes. And then we have a 
um, full course that will be released in, I believe, January on um, exploring the relationship between female athletes and the ACL and mm-hmm. really getting into that current Ooh. research on, yeah, on an, on Fun. anatomy, on hormones, on just neuromuscular spurt that occurs in males versus females. And what can we do to then help reduce the chance of injuries for our female athletes? Yeah, and I feel like we're right on the cusp. And thanks to the women's soccer, like, Unless somebody was trying to get pregnant, most people did not track their menstrual cycles at all. And so it's really Mm -hmm. been in the last year or two. So to already be kind of jumping on that data, we need enough numbers that are out there in proper use of it. So just to throw that out to listeners, like take things with a grain of salt for a while until we can Mm -hmm. get enough of this in um, and do some randomized control studies. So we need people like you that have been studying it forever um, and putting it to use that can um, kind of decipher what, what they can actually put to use. So, yeah, I actually think so from the women's soccer team, I thought the most, important piece of information that we gain from that is that high level high performing female athletes are getting their periods yay um, no kidding that's something that, that we all seem to not notice <clears throat> was probably the most important piece of information that we gathered from that um of them tracking their cycles is that hey guess what they're getting their cycles and that kind of helps us understand that if you are, are a regular female athlete not getting your cycle it's not because you're super active right it's yes. not that's so we need to we need to really look at that. And then once we get into that nitty gritty, I think what we will find is that it really comes down to that individual level and that, yeah, some some girls may feel like crap. Some other girls may not, because guess what? Your cycle changes from cycle to cycle. Your hormones are different. You may have be experiencing stress in other aspects of your life that are then affecting your hormonal level. So it's, of course, good to be cognizant of your menstrual cycle, just because just as a female, <laughs> it's an indicator of health. Um, but on top of that, again, taking things with a grain of salt, and that is it performance enhancing, performance reducing? I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But did you hear that, everybody? <laughs> if you have lost your period and you go into the physician and they say that's because you're active, insert palm to the face. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Is I could it... not say that any better. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us in your busy day to day, how do you live out the fit? philosophy, balancing performance, health, intellect, and taking a few seconds for self? Oh, well, I have such an awesome opportunity because I am the owner of, of, <laughs> of my business. And it's really cool that one, I get to influence young females every day when I'm coaching on that floor. And it is the most rewarding part of the job. It's probably the most draining just mm-hmm. because you're constantly giving of yourself. But it's the most rewarding to expose these girls to strength training and have them be in this little small part of the universe that this is normal. And it's really cool when they leave and they, and they go to college or something, they come back to me. They're like, Oh my God, what is, what is this world out there? Like no one looks like me. Like, <laughs> they're like other girls. I'm in the gym and it's only guys. What is this? And it's, it's so cool. Um, uh, I truly value education because I think that's really the most amazing part of being a human and that we can, develop and learn and learning is this skill that is honed throughout our life and I I mean I literally try to do some type of research or reading every single day um I always have a a certain I block my days off and there's one morning that I always just dig into current research because Mm -hmm. I want to know I want to know what's going on I want my biases to be tested I want to hear the other people's perspectives because that helps 
me hone my skill of being an educator and just in terms of doing things for myself and personally. I love social media for its ability to help, you know, produce content like this and help inform other people. It's a means of communication. But I also love to take a step away from it and really be present. And I, it's my rule. Once a week, I have to turn everything off and just for a certain mm. night, just be present. I don't care if I'm by myself or if I'm with other people. Just be in that moment because it's kind of really amazing what happens, where your mind goes when you are. Right. See, I'm with you. I do Science Sunday. So every Sunday oh, yeah. I try, I have like my to read the, in research. And I know yes. only us fellow nerds would be like, oh, me too. Yes. <laughs> me too, Friday morning. No one should call me. Nothing happens. I just sit and I read to I have a photo of like read this soon mm-hmm. and just all of my articles. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we owe it to our athletes that we work with that we don't just go because that's the way it used to be. We There's many things that I've changed in my practice because oh I've had enough information come in and had enough things with clients that I was like, mm, whatever my approach is, is not working. I need to keep at mm-hmm. it. So see, mm-hmm. we're always evolving and learning. Um, so we want you to do the same when, when you're, you know, looking for a strength training program, looking for a dietitian, find somebody that does stay atop of that. Definitely. Well, Could not agree like, more. <laughs> we will put all these links and including your books on the, the show notes. And thank you so much for, for coming on. And I look forward to following you on Twitter. Of course. Seriously, thank you so much. It was great to officially meet you. You too. Have a great rest of your day. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com, to find out when the release date is set and when it'll be on Amazon. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.